Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. Can I just talk to you guys tonight? I'm excited. I'm always excited when the Lord starts teaching me based off of the things that he's doing in my life and what's going on around me, and he starts showing me things about the kingdom, and then I get excited whenever I get an opportunity to share those things with you because as they help me, I pray that they'll help you in the same way. Yeah? So, pastor was talking about Joseph, and I feel like I'm going to come at it, come through the same story, come at it from a little bit different angle just because of what's going on uh, in our personal life, and there's a lot of awesome things. So I wrote this. I want to speak to you tonight about the subject that has been become very near to my heart as of late. Like I said, pastor's been talking about Joseph, and it sparked something on the inside of me. Ashley and I, a long time ago, in the old building, first year or two of the, of the old building, Pastor Bryn Waddell came in, and it was one of the, t- one of the I don't know, it was either the first or the second time that he came in. I got the pleasure of picking him up from the airport, and we got to have those awesome private conversations you get when you're in stuck in a car for an hour. BB knows all about that. Be driving people around for a while, at least in the past, right? I may be losing my voice a little bit, so you'll have to forgive me. But in the service that night, I've never received a prophetic word like this. He looked at me, and then I'm pretty sure he pulled Ashley out of the nursery. I think you were in the nursery. And he pointed at both of us and he said, you guys are going to be millionaires. I've never heard anything like that in my life. And no one's ever prophesied something like that over my life. He said, you guys are going to be millionaires. And he prayed over both of us and released us into that prophetic word. And the first thing that starts going through your mind is, okay, how's that going to happen? As of right now, I'm in full-time ministry. My wife's a stay-at-home mom with uh, probably two babies at the time. I don't know. We just, they just keep coming. So I was at some point. It was before Eva. I know that. So we're sitting here thinking, how in the world is that going to happen? I don't know. So we're, you know me. Pastor knows me. I start trying to figure out all these different things. Ashley's laughing at me. I'm like looking at all these different businesses that I can do online from my house and uh, trying to learn how to do stuff on Amazon that I don't even have to carry any of the products in my house. I can just like third-party drop ship and all. I'm going through. He's like, no, man. Quit wasting your time. But how you know that even when you see something dimly, and it's kind of shaded and dark. You just got the word. You have absolutely no idea how it's going to come to pass. Yahweh always confirms his word, right? So in a super small prayer meeting, I think it was a men's meeting even, I was standing over here where Mary Ellen and John are, and we were praying over somebody in a small group. And Mike Thompson begins to prophesy over me that he sees me entering into a new career that I've never done before. And I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. 
John who's there. And he starts going on and on and on and on and on. And again, it's, it begins to focus in a little bit more. But I still have no idea what this is going to look like, right? See, when Ashley and I first got married, I tell this story all the time. You guys have all, some of you haven't heard it, but a lot of you have heard it. We got married. She was super young. She's like 19. Yeah, Ed's like, woo! We lived in a little townhouse in Garrettsville and then moved into a house, farmhouse in Ravenna. And just through circumstances, ended up in a basement apartment for, we wanted to live there for a year until we saved up enough money for a down payment for a house. And we lived there for like seven years. Let me repeat that. In a basement, a little 550-square-foot, two-bedroom basement. And I'm going to be a billionaire. <laughs> right? So, I've been thinking about this for the past couple of months, actually. If you don't know, after that prophetic word, I talk with my father-in-law, Ashley's dad. And he's like, dude, I'm getting old, brother. I've been doing this for too long, way longer than I should have been doing this. And if you're interested, I'd like to bring you on so that you can take on the family business in the future in a couple years when I retire. I'm like, okay. We sit down, we talk. We work out all the details, and I'm, I'm looking at work in this field as a general contractor that I'd never even imagined. Because the, cool, the coolest thing is that it's not all just for me. There's businesses all around me that I get to bring in, and they all get a piece too. If I'm looking at a million-dollar project. Yeah, I said a million-dollar project. The first thing that everybody says is, awesome, you're going to make a million bucks on a project? No. I don't want to make a million dollars on a project because I want BB to make a portion of that. And I want all the businesses that are surrounding me to get involved and all of them get to share in the blessing that the Lord's pouring out all around us, right? So, what was the difference between when Ashley and I first got married and now? Why did I have to wait some 12 years, 10 years, 12 years, until the word finally was able to come in? Can I, can I teach you about one word today? That one word is management. Say it with me. Say Management. I told this to, to Jeanette earlier, and I felt like she was a little taken back by it. But you'll see, you'll see more what I'm talking about as we continue to talk tonight. See, I'm starting to find out that God doesn't give you what you ask for just because you prayed for it. He gives you what you have the ability to manage. I heard a quote from mine and BB's favorite speaker, Mike Tyson. 
But it was, regardless of all the crazy stuff, he says, this was probably one of the most amazing things I've ever heard come out of this man's mouth. He's talking about growing up as a kid, being a thug, living in the streets, getting bullied his whole life, and his rise to fame and makes all this money and has all this glory and all this fame and he's the greatest fighter on the face of the planet. He said, would you rather never get what you want or would you rather or is it, is it better to never get what you want or to get everything you've ever wanted and lose it because you can't manage it? Let me say it again. Is it better to never get what you want or to receive everything you've ever wanted and lose it because you were unable to manage it? That's what happened to him. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. And at the end of it, he had to claim bankruptcy because he didn't have the ability to manage it. So you know where all this started? Genesis chapter 2. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and read a little bit. Then we're going to get into some Joseph, Joseph stuff. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2 starting in verse 4. This is going to be Mark Casto calls it the New King Jimmy. New King James. <laughs> starting in verse 4 it says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. Why? Because there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. When? After he created man. And there he put the man. Ooh, go back one. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God creates everything in Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of Genesis chapter 2. He says, I couldn't allow all of the produce and resources that I wanted to produce in the earth come forth until there was somebody on the earth that could manage those resources. And I'm telling you today, from personal experience and what I believe the Lord's positioning all of us for, you are being positioned to manage the resources that are coming in. And you, our responsibility is to position ourselves to manage it well whatever that looks like for us for me i'm learning as much as i can as fast as i can i'm talking to them 
I'm talking to pastor. I'm talking to my wife. I'm talking to my father-in-law. I'm talking to anybody that I know that owns a business to learn about the things that they do well and the things that they could do better because I'm starting to find out that he's not going to give it to me unless I can manage it well. You know, not all wealthy people leave their wealth to their immediate family. If I raised up sons that would not listen to my guidance, if I raised up daughters that wouldn't listen to my guidance, and I built this massive wealth, would I want to leave it to somebody that was going to waste it? So I have to ask myself, maybe you would ask yourself, am I a consumer or am I an investor? Because he wants to take the resources of the kingdom and he wants to give it to those that are going to invest it and bring back a return. See, if the wealthy man leaves as an inheritance to his children all of his wealth without their ability to manage it, it will disappear with them. As fast as it comes into their hands, they'll find a way to release it back into the earth and everything that he worked for will be gone in one generation. And what does the scripture tell us and what do we talk about all the time? I want to leave an inheritance not just for my kids, but for my grandkids and my great-grandkids. If I'm going to learn how to do this thing right, I have to, I, should, I have to learn how to do this thing right so that I can train up my children and they can train up their, their children that this thing never ends, this thing never dies. Amen? So, managing resources. <laughs> I always write funny stuff when I write my notes. So let's take a lesson from my buddy Joe. Genesis chapter 41. I call this God's ultimate resource manager, Joseph. Given a coat when he's a child, gets all super excited because of all the things that he's able to dream and interpret and the visions and the understanding. Not a lot of wisdom when he was young, though. He gets super, super excited and just want to tell everybody, and then they're like, hey, 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 hey. Not so fast, buddy. We're going to throw you in a pit. We're going to sell you off because we don't want you around. Right? <laughs> but obviously, as we know, Yahweh had a plan for the entire thing. And he gets brought in to the most successful nation at the time, right, into Egypt. And Pharaoh has these insane dreams, and he's got all these, I just did what John said he was going to do in them boots, almost fell on my face. He's got all these magicians and wise men and all these people around him, and he's telling them these dreams that he's had. They're like, 
I have no idea. I'm scared to even think about it. This is the most powerful man on the planet. And if we get this wrong, it ain't going to be good. So they're like, hey, we know a guy. He's in prison down in the dungeon. He's interpreted dreams for us. He's interpreted dreams for people down there. He says he has the spirit of God in him. And we think that he might be able to help you. The goat's like, yeah, yeah. So they take him out of the shackles. They bring him up. They shave him. They give him a new coat. Make sure he's got that smell good on. And they bring him before Pharaoh. And in Genesis 41, chapter, four, or chapter 41, verse 14, starts saying this. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved and changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream and you can interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It's not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on a bank of the river, and suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as the beginning. And then I woke up. Also I saw my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then, behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there were no one who could explain it to me. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Who's about to do? God's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. I just thought, I'm just thinking about this while we're talking. He said, God is showing you what he's about to do. Yahweh is speaking to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And in order for him to understand and gain the wisdom for what's being spoken to him, he has to find a man of the Spirit. Can I tell you something? You may be the answer to the crisis that's around you. You may be the answer to the crisis that's going on around you. When they have nowhere else to turn, they've looked everywhere else. I got all these people that have helped me in the past, these magic people, all these wise people, but they can't figure this one out. And then you become sought out. Yeah? The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. 
The seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. We got seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do, what God is about to do. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, what God is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty, or the, so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following it, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God and will shortly, he will bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Go find one of your buddies. Here's what's about to go down. Go find one of your buddies and put them in charge and let's see what they got. Let's see what their ability to manage looks like. You know what Pharaoh's answer is? He says, let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt within the seven years. He even gives them the plan. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. 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 Everybody say me. Everybody say me. <laughs> you shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. I'm making you second in command. Why? Because he had a management plan for what Yahweh was getting ready to pour out in the earth. Ask for wisdom and you will receive wisdom. Huh? Pharaoh said to Joseph, see... I have set you over all of the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand. He's like, you ain't even Egyptian. You aren't even Egyptian, so I'm going to have to give you something that is a symbol of my authority so that you can go throughout the land and everybody will have no other choice but to listen to what you tell them to do. And he walks up to the farmer and he's like, hey, 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 hey. That goes over there. And take, take all that out your pocket. That's going over there too. Huh? 
didn't have any authority because he wasn't even of that nation. But because the Spirit of God and the Spirit of wisdom was on the inside of this man, and he was given a plan to manage the resources that God was getting ready to give Egypt, he was put second in command, ruler over everything that was being given into the hands of Pharaoh. Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. That's my kind of dude. BB, gold chain. That's the new King James. He had a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they, cry, they cried out before him, bow your knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. That's a lot of authority. Because he had a plan to manage what God was getting ready to pour out. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. I got to go over here. I had to write out the pronunciation because that's some craziness. I usually can get them. Not that one. Safnath Pei Neach. The inter is wonderful name. Glorious name. You know why? You know what it actually means? So they translate that into a, an English version. They don't actually transliterate the name. The name actually means treasury of the glorious rest. Word for word, treasury of the glorious rest. Glorious rest, why? Because he knew what to do when crisis was getting ready to hit the nation. He knew what to do when they're screaming economic collapse and they're screaming everything's, everything's going to fall away. And You know something I thought was funny? You know what most people would do when they have seven years of plenty? They'd take all the extra and they'd sell it so I can get all the money. I can put it in a savings account. That's not what he did. Because what good is money in a famine? What did he have? He had stored up hard assets. That's just my own thought. Stored up hard assets. Not money. I don't know. I just thought it was crazy. I'm smart. Treasury of the glorious rest. Everything that came in, it actually says this. Where is it? Go to 47. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. 49, Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. That's the resources 
that are getting ready to come into the hands of kingdom's sons and daughters. But it's not going to come into your hands just because you ask for it. It's going to come into your hands when you know how to manage it. Remember the, the parable of the talents? The one that was given 10, doubled it, turned it into 20. The one that was given five, doubled it, turned it into 10. The one that was given one, buried it in the ground because he was afraid. And when his master came back, he unburied it, handed him the one talent, and he called him lazy, and he called him wicked. What if the wicked because he didn't know how to manage the resources that were placed in his hands and lazily buried it in the sand. He said, you could have at least put it in the bank and gained interest. You give me back. There's no ROI, Ed. There's no return on investment. And what did he do? He took from the one that had the single talent and he gives it to the one that had 10 and turned it into 20. Because he's going to take, he knows that this guy's actually economical. He'll maximize what he can get out of the minimum of what he has to give. So invest. He's able to, he knows that he'll be able to take that one talent and turn it into much, much more than what it was. He's not looking for somebody that's going to take what's given and squander it on themselves because we're not called to be consumers. We're called to be investors. Yeah? God gave promotion to a man with a management plan for his resources. I'm just going to read through some stuff and then we'll see what happens because I wrote a bunch of points down and I want to make sure I can go through them. This one hit me kind of hard. So, Religious people lazily seek miracles. I recently watched Aladdin with Ashley and the kids, and I was surprised at how similar we treat God like the magic genie in a bottle that just comes out when summoned and gives you whatever you ask because you asked for it. Kingdom people seek to be the answer to a crisis. Some people are saying that we're getting ready to dive into the worst economic crisis of my generation's lifetime. But there's a dichotomy here. There's two sides to the story. Some perceive this as a crisis, but there are some who see this as an enormous opportunity. Do you know that what the wealthy call an economic crisis? Ed's going to laugh. They call it a fire sale. Because everything must go, and everything must go cheap. And they gather up all the hard assets, they gather up all the wealth-building materials, and when the, when the economy goes back up, they're three times richer than they were before. I'm just learning this. I, get, I haven't gotten a chance to put this into practice yet, but I'm learning, and I'm hoping we're all learning too. God may, provide, may be providing you with opportunities to grow in your management ability before he gives you what you're asking for. Take the opportunities to hone your skills. Dakota is probably the best salesman I've ever seen in my life. He came to my house when we lived in that little farmhouse in Ravenna, back when he was learning sales and he was doing Cutco and knives and all this. He wanted to come over and practice on us. 
practice. I was, I was like looking in the couch for money, like trying to figure out how are we going to buy that. There's no reason why we shouldn't have these knives in our house. You see, we went from, there's, we're, we're just doing a practice run. He's going to do a spiel. We're going to tell him if he did good or not. To, we got to find this money. It's only 350 bucks. We've got to find this money. It's somewhere. <laughs> you got to hone your skills. I'm learning. This is for me. I'm not saying this is for you. It could be for you, but you cannot be afraid to spend money to learn. You have to be willing to invest in yourself. You know who I learned that from? Rick Pino. He's doing some of the, some really awesome business stuff. He's just throwing these little quips out. He's like, it's surprising to me when I first got into business, my unwillingness to spend $500 to gain a course that would teach me these skills that I needed to learn and the return on that $500 would be enormous, but I was so scared to spend $500. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow. He tells a story. He said, I spent $500 on this course, and within six months, we made our first, like, $500,000. So then we spent $50,000. I'm saying, this isn't for this. I'm telling his story. So then he spends $50,000 on the next course and within the first year he makes his first one million dollars sows or invests a hundred and fifty thousand dollars to be a part of a mastermind with a group of other business owners and within one month made another million dollars this is his story because he, he was willing to invest in himself. I'm not telling you to go out and spend $10,000 on the course, okay? You've got to be smart and understand what you're doing with your money and be in position to be able to do those things. But I'm saying when you're in position to do those things, you can't be afraid to do it because the return on that investment is going to be multitudinous. <laughs> did that already God gave me a word at the end of last year and like I said I believe he's positioning us as business owners as kingdom people in the workplace to receive the fruit of that word he said the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous because the wicked are ready to spend it I was doing trim in somebody's house, and I'm, I'm sanding, I'm doing, I'm learning how to do our style trim now, and I'm sitting there, got worship music playing, and I'm in there by myself, I'm working, he said, the wealth of the wicked stirred up for the righteous, I'm like, amen, 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 thank you, Yahweh, thank you, Yahweh, he said, because they're ready to spend it. They are going to be looking for your services, for your products, for the things that you can supply. And because you're trustworthy and able to perform what it is that you said you're able to perform, they're going to tell all their friends. 
and you are going to become way sought out. Abund abundance to where you're going to have to start giving work away. You're gonna, remember he said that you're going to have so much that you're going to have to dream of ways of giving it away? You've got so much work coming to you, you have to find other people to do it. Yeah? I said this, are you a consumer that wastes everything that you're given on yourself or an investor taking every opportunity to grow what you are given? So, that was our little talk. It's good. Do you want Yahweh to position you to be able to actually hold on to what it is he wants to give you? I don't want to squander it, man. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to squander and you're like, oh, and it's like, it's like it was in your hands and then all of a sudden it's like grasping air is just gone. I don't want that, man. If every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, then if something perceived as good comes into my hands and I waste it, was it good? If every good and perfect gift comes from the Father and something perceived as good comes into my hands and I consume it for myself, was it good? These are questions I'm asking myself. Because listen, you get into some, into some of these businesses and you start, you start messing with like large amounts of money. You get sideways real fast and your business can disappear real fast. And you're dealing with lawyers and doctors and they know what they're doing. They may not know how to, they may not know what they're doing with their house, but they know what they're doing for the, for the most part in life, especially when you're working for a lawyer. <laughs> okay? Got to be able to manage it. So, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add. You don't have to. You don't have to. Just asking. Okay. So, I want you all to stand up, and I'm going to pray over you. I have no idea what time it is. But this was me just sharing my heart because pastors talked about it, apostles talked about it. We have all of our uncles are talking about the increase that's coming and what Yahweh is going to pour out both in revival and in finances. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit of heartburn. Lord Jesus, help me. It's coming. Yep. There's people that are experiencing it and beginning to receive the first fruits of it in their own lives. I'm telling you, there's going. it's just the beginning. So lift your hands like you want to receive this. Yahweh, I thank you for every opportunity that you give us to be able to increase our capacity to manage your resources and to manage them well. I thank you that you're in anything that would cause us to think that we have to
consume the resources that you give us on ourselves. It doesn't make us feel loved. It doesn't make us feel more fulfilled. It doesn't make us cooler to our friends. It doesn't make us cooler to the other business owners. I thank you that your plan for us is not for us to be poor. I thank you that your plan for us is to live in absolute extravagant abundance. And you're going to teach us how to manage that abundance so that we can not just have it for ourselves, but we can pass it on to our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and all the wisdom that, you're, that we're receiving in this time that we can teach it to our children while we're sitting at the dinner table, Yahweh. I thank you that my sons may not ever work in the industry that I work in, but they can do it as teenagers to teach them the things that they're going to need when they become adults, Yahweh. I don't expect for the world, I don't expect for their school, I don't expect for anybody else to teach them the things that they know, that they need to know to be able to manage what you want to pour into their lives, Yahweh. I thank you you're giving it to me so that I could pass it on to them, Yahweh. Whoo! I pray Caleb and Joshua, Jaden and Eva, I pray they see ten times more than I ever see, Yahweh. I pray my kids see 10 times more than I've ever seen. 10x them, Yahweh. 10x them, Yahweh. Woo! Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Jesus, I thank you that you continually keep us close, Yahweh, and that you will not lead us to our own demise. I thank you that you only give us good gifts, and I thank you that you're preparing us to be able to Receive them so that they can be good gifts, Yahweh. Oh. Thank you, Yahweh. I pray that that prosperity enters into the hands of every kingdom builder, not just business owners but people that work in the that are in the workplace Yahweh for every single mom that has a little witty invention or an idea we speak increase into those areas we speak the prosperity of the kingdom into your hands pray more trustworthy people are coming to be under you Because your incredible ability to manage who they are as people, to give them kingdom ways of thinking that will lead them and guide them in life and ultimately lead them to the one that loves them more than anything, Yahweh. I thank you that for every person in this room or listening on live stream that will become sought out because of what they have to offer. I thank you for every person that adds value into every area they are involved in, Yahweh. <laughs> yes.
Jesus. We say that we're ready to be positioned. When you say that we're ready to be positioned, Yahweh, we yield ourselves. I love that. We lean back into your loving arms. And we yield ourselves. I don't want to be lazy. I want to be committed to what it is that you're asking for us to do. That doesn't mean it's not going to take any effort, Yahweh. But it's not going to be wasted effort on my plans and my ability because you're going to show us the path. Dot by dot, you're going to show us the path and lead us into the treasure room. just excited that Yahweh confirmed everything Michael said by giving me a dream last week. You know, we started out with a dream that I had a week ago, and Michael set us up for that. So he said I was going to make a deposit of $155,000. That's your deposit. Ed and I take your money to the bank. The North Gates gift goes into the treasury, you know? And he's just firing that up with the Spirit of God that Joseph, that was in Joseph, that's in you. And he, it's like he put it over the fireplace, you know, and he's just cooking it. You know, and you sit down at the table and honor, and he multiplies it. Abundant increase, 155,000 turns to 1.16 million while we eat dinner. Okay? So, right, right. So, all we do is listen to the Spirit of the Lord. When he tells us to honor, when he tells us to do something, just do it. Don't be afraid because he's already, he, he already gave me the dream that Michael was going to teach about so that you would know that your deposit is going to be un, in, abundantly increased through that whole thing. He's speaking to each one of you today and saying, I'm talking to these two up here. For you, yeah. like uh, he's encouraging you through this story. And to put it all together, that's amazing. And one thing I forgot to tell you is the orange orange uh, pop carton. It was all in an orange pop carton. And I'm thinking to myself, I asked him, what, what about the orange pop carton? And I just heard him start laughing, and he said it was just for fun. I was just like, oh, my gosh. We sat down at the dinner. We had fun. And I came back with an orange pop cart and full of money. <laughs> like, awesome. But he has the plan. He already has the plan. All you have to do is sit down at the table. You have to do your whatever he tells you to do. Whatever he puts in front of you, learn the lessons that he's teaching you. Right here, you're in school tonight. 
you're in school tonight, he's teaching you something new. You're going to catch something this week that you would have never, you would have missed if you wouldn't have been here today. You know? Don't miss the treasures that are in your path. Ed and I go on treasure hunts all the time. Don't miss it. Don't miss the treasure hunts. Start your day asking for the treasures that are going to multiply inside of what you're doing. That, that's amazing. I got one last thing to say to all, all my people that are in the workplace. You may not be a business owner, but you are in a workplace. Stop being afraid of speaking up when you know how to do something better. Quit being afraid to speak up when you know how to do something better. Because if you're afraid of what people are going to think of you and what they're going to say about you and what may happen to people that are around you. You were given that wisdom, understanding, knowledge for a reason. And the promotion that you're hoping for may not come until you step out and say, hey, I think we can do this a little bit better. I think I have an idea that can decrease the time and increase production. Quit being afraid. What's the worst that can happen? They say no, and you keep doing what you're doing right now. And someone looks at you and goes, ha. Who cares? If, if you have been doing something for a long period, even a short period of time, I don't even care. And you're like, There's, there is a better way of accomplishing this end goal. Speak up, man. I heard a guy, I heard a guy say one time, if somebody that is mismanaging their time and a company's resources loses their job because of something that you do to bring increase to that company. I'm trying to think of how to word this lightly. You're the one bringing value. So the increase should be coming into the hands of the one that's bringing value and values the company, values those that are around them. It isn't just in there to make a paycheck and punch the clock and leave. Come in, punch the clock, get as little done as possible, and leave. My workplace people, don't be afraid to speak up, man. Because in that speak, in that stepping out and saying, I think there's a better way, the increase may be coming into your hands from that avenue. Amen? Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.